Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold. Looking forward to this hour because Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are going to be talking to Dr. Alex McFarland as we continue our, our series on prayer. And we're going to keep doing this for a while because I, I know you're loving it and I'm loving it and Peter's loving it. And it's uh, been a wonderful exercise to ask all kinds of questions and, and seek scripture and fi- and figure out how we can uh, get our prayer life uh, re-energized. So um, always nice to have Dr. Alex McFarland as a guest. He's a uh, author and apologist and all-around great guy. Alex, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill. It's good to talk to you, brother. And uh, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. It was nice. And I hope you're, yeah, looking forward to a Christmas, a very special Christmas. And in the part of the country where you live, there's a pretty high likelihood, I'm guessing, that you'll have a white Christmas. The odds are that we are going to have a white Christmas, yeah. And, uh, uh, Peter, welcome as well. Yeah, thanks, Bill. You know, I'll tell you what, uh, being out on the golf course today in the Minneapolis area is pretty unusual (laughs) for the, for whatever the second of December here is. So, uh, we'll see about that white Christmas. It's certainly cold enough out there, but boy, we're just not getting the white flakes coming at this point. Yeah. Well, Alex, (laughs) we've been talking about prayer now for five or six weeks and we're always interested in finding out uh, what we can learn from you, what you uh, have grown to understand your prayer life over the years, and what uh, what you can share with us. Wow. Well, thanks for having me. It, it really is an honor to be on with you both. Um, hey, let me share a quote that was often said by one of my professors and mentors. It was a guy, Norm Geisler. Uh, he's with the Lord now, but he was one of my professors in Uh, my apologetics program, Dr. Geisler would always say this, prayer is the nerve that moves the muscle of God. Prayer is the nerve that moves the muscle of God. And uh, if you think about that, that, that's really true, isn't it? Mm, Is it ever? Yeah, that's a quote with which I'm familiar from uh, from Geisler as well, Alex. And uh, and I think that's been, must be pretty well circulated. It, It really does speak to the idea that um, we're in a relationship with God here, and and uh, God does invite us to actually be with Him and and to to do kingdom life with Him in those sorts of ways. It's it's such an interesting invitation, and so different than the other gods that we might read about in the biblical text or other gods that people may serve around the world. Is that there really is this invitation to to be with God in prayer in a unique kind of way? Yeah, I mean, over and over, the Bible tells the believer to pray to, you know, Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus taught his disciples to always pray and not give up or faint, as some verses say. Uh, James 4, verse 2, unanswered prayers are often unprayed prayers. James 4, verse 2 says, you have not because you ask not. And so I, I truly believe that God delights to answer the prayers of his children, just like, uh, you know, as a parent, when your child gives a heartfelt request for something, you know, a loving parent is just thrilled to be able to provide a need. And so God loves to answer prayer. I mean, um, 
I think sometimes maybe people think God is up in heaven, you know, just dangling a carrot in front of us, uh, wanting to withhold things or something. No, I, I think God is even more eager to answer our prayers than we are eager to pray our prayers. But over and over, you know, the Bible tells us that we're to pray, you know, in all circumstances, give thanks, and, uh, you, you know, we come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, I, in my own life as, a, as an individual, as a person in ministry, on the mission field, I mean, I, I've seen, and guys, I don't, I don't use this term light, lightly at all. I've seen miracles due to prayer. I, I really believe I have. Uh, and so here in the United States of America, uh, we need to pray. You know, Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show, show you great and mighty things that you do not know. I mean, if ever we needed a powerfully praying church, 2020 and mm-hmm. the season in which we find ourselves, I mean, this is it. We need to be powerful in our prayers right now. Alex, I know people, including myself and Peter, love stories when you hear of miraculous uh, prayers being answered. Maybe you've got one you could share. Yeah, well, you know, um, 20 years ago, I made my first trip to Africa, and I was over there with some missionaries from the Baptist Mission Board, and uh, there was uh, a man that got bitten by a, a black mamba snake and deep in the bush country, and, uh, you know, supposedly the bite of a black mamba or a green mamba is not survivable, and they instantly laid hands on him, and they prayed, and the guy for 10, 15 minutes, felt a little lightheaded, but just was fine and got up and began preaching with power. Mm. And really, we were in Lusaka, Zambia. So many of the the Zambians, they saw the power of God, that God's man was not even affected by the bite of a black mamba that a lot of people believed. Um, I personally, with my own—I mean, I've witnessed this. Focus on the family. When I work for Focus on the Family, we took 400 youth to Peru, Lima, Peru, and Susie Schellenberger of Brio Magazine organized it. And so we're there, there with 200 adults and 400 youth in Lima, Peru, for two and a half weeks. And um, there was a man who had come from up in the Andes Mountains, and he, his name was Apollinario. And he couldn't speak English or Spanish, but he had heard that there were missionaries, and he came. And for two weeks, he just traveled with us, prayed for us. And I remember this just beautiful, small-in-stature Peruvian man. But, well, I was in this village, and Bill, I mean, you know, me and my southern accent, you can probably (laughs) appreciate this. But we had kids doing musical skits. And singing, and and all these American youth had learned their songs in Spanish. Well, I see these four soccer players, and they're like drinking a bottle of liquor and chasing it with a two-liter Coke. So after I got through speaking, through an interpreter, I go through this crowd, and I go to these four soccer players. And I I, seriously, I, I said, hey, guys, you're drinking those distilled spirits, but God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And they kind of look at me. They they can't understand English, and I couldn't speak Spanish. Well, there's a tap on my shoulder, and it's my little friend, Apollinario. He's been with us two weeks. He can't speak English or Spanish. He speaks a language called Quechuan or Chechuan. Anyway, I turn around. Apollinario looks at me. He says, I will translate for you. Okay. For one solid hour, 
I shared the gospel with these four soccer players, and I said, if you're really going to accept Christ, I want you to get that, that half gallon of vodka and pour it out on the ground. And Apollinario preaches to them in Spanish, and they pour it out. Wow. And we led them to Christ. We gave them Christianity 101. And we led these guys to Christ, gave them a crash course in discipleship. And as soon as we were done, um, Apollinario, there was a guy in the group named Juan Carlos. He he was the, the one guy in all of our he – had, he had a grandmother who spoke Chechewan. Anyway, after we finished ministering to this uh, part of a soccer team, Apollinario went, reverted back to not speaking English or Spanish. My point in sharing this story is on the mission field, we were in a place called Miraflores, very kind of slummy part of uh, Lima, Peru. I witnessed a man speak. He understood a language he didn't know. He translated the gospel in a language he couldn't speak. And four, you know, soccer players, all in their jerseys and all, they they got enough of Jesus. They were willing to pour their vodka out on the ground, and they knelt and prayed to accept Christ. Uh, that was a miracle, guys. That, that's a the complete miracle. Was, Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I could tell you a lot of things, but um, God is in the business. Let, let me just say this, folks. The one prayer that is guaranteed to get a yes from God. I've had people ask me, you know, if, if, if I become a Christian, will God save my business? If I become a Christian, will God save my marriage? You know, I, I don't know. But I know this. There is one, and we often call it the sinner's prayer. And it's, it's a very simple prayer. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Lord, I do believe Christ is the Son of God. He, he died on the cross for me. He rose from the dead for me. And Lord, please come into my life and save my soul. Make me your child. My friends, if you will pray the sinner's prayer, God has promised to answer that one in the affirmative. And so there's Christian birth that happens when we put our our faith in Jesus. We're born again, the Bible says. But then there's Christian growth. And, and guys, I think the Christian life, you know, all that we experience post-salvation, praying, Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed God. a show. Oops, sorry about that. Oh, that's good. Continue, it, Alex. It grows yeah. us. Yeah. It, it, it grows us. Prayer, you know, we think prayer is going to change things, and it does, but prayer changes us. And Peter, you had a, something to follow up on that, I believe. Yeah, you know, I was just my mind is just buzzing, Alex, from so much of what you just said there, and and um, going back for a second to what you've seen around the world, and then even tying it into the Christian growth part of it. I, I'm curious your perspective on maybe why we tend to hear stories of the power of prayer in these sort of more fantastic kinds of ways that you describe uh, from different parts of the world, and they don't seem to be as present in the United States. I don't. I don't know why, or maybe they are, and we just miss them somehow, but but certainly, you know, we have a, another guest on that Bill and I talk to pretty regularly, and Craig Keener, and again, one of the most respected biblical scholars in the world. I mean, hardly, like you, you know, these these are people that you would trust their eyewitness accounts, and I know even my father has been overseas and seen much of the kinds of things that you describe. Do you have any sort of explanation as to why maybe we see this in cultures outside of the United States more so than here? And and then also, too, what, what does that say about the potential of the power of prayer in our own lives for our Christian growth and other areas of our lives? You know, um, 
Isaiah 30, verse 18 said, the, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. The Lord will rise up and show you compassion. Uh, the Lord is God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Happy are those who put their trust in the Lord. Um, some have said that, that Isaiah 30, verse 18, really, it goes on and it essentially says his level of blessing rises to our level of expectation. Now, why do we not see, you know, the supernatural in the American church always? Uh, I, I think a lot of times um, we, I, I know, look, 100 million American Christians, yeah, they love Jesus. They do believe his word. And I think 99.9% of all Christians, they do believe that all that God did in the book of Acts, he can still do today. But I, I think we get so um, maybe meshed into our routines, we forget the, the power that really is as close by as a prayer. But let me say this, guys. Um, several years ago, I was reading an article by Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey at that time was the editor of Christianity Today. And he was um, talking about what God is doing in China and maybe a million people a month are becoming saved in China. And in, in South America, there are miracles and healings and you know, rising from the dead, and in, even in parts of the Arabic world, and North Africa, and Morocco, God is doing things against all, you know, odds. Now, here's here's the thing, and it, it really almost made me tear up and get emotional. Uh, Philip Yancey said, the bottom line is this, God goes where he's wanted. And in the American church, we might say, well, uh, of course we want God. Well, yeah, but the people, I think, like in uh, South Korea, where at Yangi Cho's church, I mean, there's been 24-hour prayer going on for over 40 years, you know. I, I mean, I think about in China, where uh, um, one Chinese man we worked with to get one of my books translated into China, and we raised money. So my book, uh, Stand, Core Truth for an Unshakable Faith, uh, was published on the black market and distributed throughout China. And uh, one of my pastoral contacts in China, now, now get this, he said every page of a Bible would probably be handled and read by roughly 30,000 different people. I mean, I, I think perhaps some of the power and some of the manifestation of the presence of God happens in these realms of persecution because they long for for jesus mm. uh imagine circulating gently carefully circulating pages of the bible so thirty thousand different believers would read a page of scripture i, I agree with philip yancey god goes where he's wanted yeah. because if we wanted him he would show up yeah i need to take a little break dr alex mcfarland is our guest and we're on our prayer series it is wednesday so we'll be right back the show. Dr. Peter Kapsner and myself are in our prayer series, and we're always looking forward to this time together. Our special guest is Dr. Alex McFarland, 
And Alex, uh, you can go to alexmcfarland.com to learn more about Alex and his books and his writing and his uh, amazing uh, seminars and alexmcfarland.com. So um, let's talk a little bit about the this the prayer. And when we look at like Psalm 54, verse 2, it says, Hear my prayer, O, o God, listen to the words of my mouth. So in other words, I guess the words that come out of our mouth to God are pretty important. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, absolutely. You know, this might sound like a cliche, but I, I believe that specific prayers get specific answers. And, you know, people like uh, Watchman Nee and A.W. Tozer and E.M. Bounds mm-hmm. talked about the work of prayer. And and you might say, well, prayer being work, you know, communing with my Savior, that shouldn't be like work. Um, I, I do think powerful prayer really needs to be a discipline. And, you, you know, that we don't just, uh, as we drift off to sleep with our head on the pillow, say, you know, Lord, bless me. Uh, thank you for this day. Be with me, Lord. Amen. And And look, we all have probably prayed prayers like that. But, you know, I, I really think just as you would you know, plan a conversation with a friend or with your spouse, or if you if you went in with your boss to make a proposal to your employer or to ask for a promotion or or something, um, you know, we we plan and we orchestrate important conversations, and the meeting that we have, the the many meetings a day with our Savior, those are important and they're worthy of precision, intent. Um, I think it's important to uh, begin prayers with praising God, you know, thanking God. And, uh, you know, the old Bing Crosby song was right, that, you know, count your blessings instead of sheep. You know, <laughs> I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. so much for which to be grateful. I mean, there, there really is. And there, there's a lot of power in a- asking for specific things, but predicating that on very specific and heartfelt praise to God. When I think of Bartimaeus, um, Peter and Alex, and I think of him being identified with his blind beggar's coat and clearly uh, had been blind from birth and approached Jesus, and Jesus said, what would you like me to do? And Bartimaeus says, I would like to see. So there's Mm -hmm. a, a pretty specific ask, and I would assume that Jesus knew exactly what he probably wanted, if he's blind, um, but he yet still said to him, what would you like me to do? Bartimaeus said, I'd like to see. Hmm. So I yeah, like, Alex, I, I mean, I would love your, your feedback on that, just in the, in the sense of um, the specificity of our prayer and then also the comfort level of leaving the results maybe uh, up to God. Is, is that one way to maybe to, to understand God's sovereignty in this? And, and yet we're still participating in the process. I think so, yes. God, you hit it right on the head. God is sovereign. But we do, on some mystical way that I, I certainly don't claim to fully understand, but we do participate in the process. That um, You know, in John 15 and 16, Jesus very famously talks about he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and whatever we pray in his name, according to his word, in accord with his will, he said he would do. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean, Lord, I drove here in a Chevy, and when I go out there, let it be a Mercedes in Jesus' name. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. not things like that. I mean, if you want a Mercedes, work hard and save your money. Uh, but 
um, I, I think, like like I said, there's this beautiful multi-level benefit of God's sovereign purposes are being worked out. Our heart and our our will is subordinated to God. We grow. We learn patience. And and not only do we get our needs met and circumstances God intervenes in, but along the way we mature, we grow, we're purified. Um, And again, it, it might sound like a cliche, but I think it's a profound truth that prayer changes things, but prayer also changes us. And so Uh, I do want to say a quick word about fasting and prayer, Um, and I've seen some major things. In fact, um, we have fasted and prayed and and prayed by name for certain people to be um, liberated from sin and saved. And and I will say this, folks, and, you know, obviously this is uh, assuming your your health is good and your doctor's okay with it, but look, experience the thrill of fasting and prayer. Um, because when you when you pray, there's power. But when you fast and pray, a one day fast, three day, ten day, forty day fast. Bill Bright of Campus Crusade, on at least two occasions, had a hundred day fast. Hmm. It's amazing. But um, guys, I got to tell you something really quickly. And I know we're almost out of time. Listen, I I had a dear friend. Um, he was at one time on the board of Campus Crusade, a dear man of God, and. He invited uh, Angie and me over to his house, and this was about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. And he said, uh, I'm going to put you on our prayer list. He said, my wife and I had a prayer list, and he pulls out this this old folder, and there's names, and uh, you can see all sorts of writing, and it was something very old and kind of looked like this flimsy, raggedy folder with names. But for many years, he and his wife would pray for missionaries and ministers. And he said, um, we never added a new name unless we really felt God led us to do this. And he said, um, my wife has passed away and I've got more time to pray. He said, but my wife and I would get up at 5 a.m. and for two hours by name, we prayed for these missionaries. And he said, now listen, guys, it was very convicting. He said, we never, ever missed a morning, Christmas morning, he said, for all the years that my wife and I prayed for everybody on my prayer list, we never missed a single morning. I said, wow. He said, so I thought I'd let you and Angie know God's led me to put you on my prayer list. Now, this is, I don't know, 2012, I'm going to say it was, about eight years ago. I said, well, you never missed a single morning? He said, no, never, ever did. I said, when did you start this? He said, 1964. <laughs> Wow, that's that's amazing. And 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 I was like, I'm not even worthy to be in this guy's presence. Mm. I said, you mm. from 1964 to the present day, two out five to seven a.m. every morning by name, and it was Billy Graham, Josh McDowell, Bill Bright, Vonette Bright, wow. and names. That's... And I just almost wept tears of joy that he would add us to his prayer list. That's powerful, but, Alex. Thank you so much for uh, taking time. Uh, to be with us this afternoon. God is good. Yeah, indeed. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. 
Welcome back to our series on prayer. Dr. Peter Kapsner um, is on the line as we are now without Alex McFarland. He uh, was only able to join us for the first half hour. So, uh, Peter, it's just you and me now. Yeah, boy, he was really good, wasn't he, in terms of just, I, I think what struck me about him was the ease with which he talked about prayer, and it obviously was something that was familiar to him. And, and I know you and I have talked at length with different guests of ours, and, and you and I have even talked about our own personal life and prayer to some extent and I think out of everybody we've talked to so far, I was just really surprised with his comfort level with it. And and I don't know if it's because he's just seen so much around the world as we talked about during part of that segment and and has a belief in the power of prayer because of what he's seen that, that makes it so familiar to him. But uh, it, it's something to aspire to for sure. I know that you and I have talked about the idea of growing in prayer and I think how many believers really desire that because prayer is a place where we really can get stuck. Mm-hmm. One of the things he said, too, I found interesting was people would come and say, will God save my marriage? Will God save my business? You know, when it comes to praying to God. And I, I always think, well, that's probably the wrong first question. The, the, probably the right first question is, who is Jesus to you? Mm. And if you mm. can answer that, that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, then I would think, well, God will uh, be there for you through your business, through your marriage, through whatever difficulty you have, because that's one of his promises. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Yeah, I think that's a comforting part of that. At the end of the day, I think it's a really understandable prayer to want to pray. And, and I think for people that are in right now or have been in really difficult circumstances, the kind of things that keep us up at night, and I certainly have been through those seasons in my life as well, that that is the understandable prayer to pray, which is, well, I will now turn to God, and, and maybe in, in so doing, he can save this. But like you said, that that's maybe the wrong starting place. Not maybe, it is it is the wrong starting place of the invitation, which is much more along the lines of, so Jesus, who are you, and what is your kingdom life, and what is required for me to bend the arc of my life towards your kingdom, mm-hmm. rather than asking you to bend the arc of your kingdom towards my life? And And I think when we move with that posture, then it, it is interesting to see what happens. And, and I think when we ask God to save our marriage or, or save a relationship, uh, oftentimes he invites us into that process in some ways that may uh, be surprising to us as well. But it, but it does involve first humbling ourselves and going his direction rather than always asking him to come our direction. Mm-hmm. And w- when we had Dr. Randy Newman on, he had made a reference to a book by Richard Pratt, which I turned around and purchased. And, you know, I'm in the radio business, so people send me books every week. I don't buy books. <laughs> I was just going to say, that has to be nearly a first, right? Did, um, did you know how to do it on Amazon? You put it in your cart? And I did. I paid for it. Okay? I know. I bought, Craig, I bought Craig Keener's book and this one. So, uh, amazing. yeah, a couple of guests. I'm trying to get him on the show as well. But he had a really interesting point. He said, uh, without God, no one listens. Without the believer, no one speaks. And without communication, nothing is said. Hmm. Chew Boy, on that, that one. is an interesting quote. Yeah, gosh. I mean, how, so how did you process that when you first read that? That's a really interesting quote. Well, it's kind of, it seems like it's one of the essentials of prayer. Um, w- without God, you know, who is listening, right? And without the believer speaking, like it said in the Psalms, I will, I will petition you with words from my mouth. And without communication, mm-hmm. nothing is said. So, I mean, I know that the scripture talks about you get to a point where you don't have words, so the Holy Spirit will go to bat for you, which is a, the most comforting thing ever, because there's times when grief is overwhelming or 
or pain has just had you at a point where you, you can't talk, so the Holy Spirit will speak on your behalf. However, I think most of the time we have to bring our, our deepest heartfelt needs right to the Lord. And we, we say that, we speak words to him, and he listens and, and communication happens. It's an exciting thing. Gosh, that really is. And and I think when you're talking about that, Bill, it, it is something we've referenced a couple of times in some different ways. But when you read about the gods that are in the Old Testament in particular, less so in the New Testament perhaps, but clearly there's a spiritual realm in which people think some sort of beings are, are able to be sort of solicited, I suppose, would be a way to think about it. But there isn't this invitation into communication with such beings when you look at the gods of the Canaanites, right? There was this this sense in which they always had to assuage the anger or they sort of had to do the right kind of ritual to maybe get their God to move on their behalf. But it was not an invitation to ongoing communication. It, it wasn't an invitation into dialogue back and forth. It was certainly not an invitation into relationship. It was it was almost always a transactional kind of thing that they believed that if, if they would do X, then their God would do Y. And in those stories that you read about, I, one of my favorite ones is when Elijah goes on to Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. I mean, if there's 400 prophets of Baal, and and he he's pretty sarcastic for an Old Testament prophet at them in terms of uh, what what they're trying to do and and prove who is the true God of heaven. And those 400 prophets of Baal, they enter into obviously all their different kinds of dances and all their ceremonies and all their rituals and all their chanting. And all they're really, it's not really about communication at that point. They're just trying to do something almost magic that will get their, their perceived God to move. And of course, the, the Canaanite God Baal doesn't do anything in that moment. And Elijah just offers a simple communication prayer to the God of heaven. And, and God does move, but it's coming out of a sense of, of an existing relationship that Elijah clearly has with God. And when you read about the stories of these people in the Old Testament and, and the need for communication like that, it has an entirely different quality about it that I think we're still invited into that today. And and some of the things Alex said about how he has seen God move in supernatural ways around the world, I'm really sort of chewing on what he said, something to the effect of the idea that that God will basically uh, move to the extent that we have faith. And and I, I would hate to make that a transaction again, mm-hmm. but it also it, it does make me wonder, is, is my idea of God too narrow, too small? That's a really great question, Peter. And I was going to just ask you if you think people can become a little bored with their prayer life because their perception of God is so narrow. Yeah, I, boy, that, right? I, I think, yes. I, I think that's one of the reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, it's one of the reasons why I think reading the scriptures is so important is not just so that you're proving something or gaining knowledge, but that you really are beginning to understand the height and the depth and the expansiveness of God's kingdom. And I, I did reference a story about my dad, who who I know does not have a narrow view of God. He, he is one of the people that he's kept that kind of prayer journal for years and years that Alex was talking about the other gentleman. And and it isn't to do it out of broad obedience, but uh, the, the story that I remember, he and his friend had um, raised a, a, a bunch of money to build an orphanage in one of the countries in Africa. I don't remember which one, but it was a country that was torn by civil warfare and strife. And the orphanage that they built was being organized by one side in this ongoing conflict. And they got wind of a story that had happened where some of the the rebels on the other side of the conflict were coming, and they were actually there to destroy, they're going to come and destroy the the orphanage. And they were loaded for bear. I mean, they were coming and, and geared up and the whole thing, and they never made it. 
And in fact, they got captured by some of the authorities. And this is my dad, right? I mean, this is somebody who grew up in small town, Minnesota, barely got his way through high school. He'd probably tell you that that maybe, <laughs> you know, he cheated on a few tests to get there. And, and, uh, and, you know, he's not somebody that you would see as this big spiritual giant warfare. And he certainly isn't somebody that would, would be whacked out on some things. And he, he said that they got wind of the report that they interrogated some of the rebels that were trying to get to the orphanage, and they never made it because they had to cross a river at one point. And as they did so, and I know people were praying for this orphanage, and, and my dad included, that they were they were greeted suddenly by an uh, unexplainable bright light that drove the rebel tribe into the waters, and most of them drowned. Only a few of them straggled out of the waters at the end. And I hear that kind of story, Bill, and, and I honestly, even though it's my dad, I still don't know entirely what to do with it. I don't always know what to do with the stories that Alex tells or Craig Keener will tell, but these are, are people that are people that I would respect and look up to. And here's what I know about Alex and my dad and Craig Keener. When we talk to these people, their God is not very narrow. That I know that for sure. And, and I think some of that has to do with what the stories they tell. No, I agree completely. And I'm with you, Peter. There's times when I hear stories that are so grand and so amazing, and I'm always honoring of people's stories. But I sometimes wonder about my prayer life, and am I robust enough, and am I asking in big enough ways, and am I getting putting myself in a position where if God doesn't show up and answer this prayer, I'm, I'm out on a limb. You know, sometimes right. we pray about stuff we have some control over. I think when you're really praying about things you have no control over whatsoever, you're asking God, if you don't intervene, I'm done. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, oh, that man, it makes so much sense. And and I, I, I wonder if I'm just sort of racked, and, and we're racked, and, and our culture is racked with a bit of understandable cynicism about uh, who God is, because there are sort of the, I guess we could describe them as crackpots that make a lot of claims, and, and you can turn on the television on any given morning, right, on a Sunday morning or something, and you see people that are, are making claims that if you just send this amount of money, you know, these prayers will be answered for you. And I think about the charlatans, but, you know, about those, those charlatans, they existed in the New Testament. I mean, Peter met Simon the Magician, I think, mm -hmm. in Acts chapter 6, 7, 8, somewhere in there. And, and these charlatans have always been around. And I think what I want to be careful about, and I think what our listeners can be careful about as well, is, is just because those charlatans exist, and we can say that that's a true statement, that doesn't logically mean that God doesn't also move in the ways that the Keeners and the McFarlands would describe. And, and the question is, is how do we ferret out the difference and, and how do we move responsibly in the kingdom in prayer where we can discern the charlatans while also not stripping God of his power? Mm -hmm. I had a, um, a couple listeners chime in, uh, David, who's a faithful listener, and he always has wonderful insights. I love this. and You're going to love this too, Peter. He says, I totally agree with specificity. When I'm awake in the middle of the night, I pray through the people on my mail route, house numbers and wow. last names, salvific prayers. That's that <laughs> okay. So first of all, can he be my mailman? Exactly. I mean, that would be obvious, right? Exactly. <laughs> Whatever David's route is, it needs to veer towards Minnetonka somewhere because I absolutely want that. But that, what a gift! I mean, you talk and, about a and, servant's heart and a ministry. You know, you you bloom exactly where you're planted, and he's uh, praying for people by uh, street names and numbers and the the residents' names because he knows them. Yeah. Yeah. And. And the idea that maybe sometimes David would see some of the results of those prayers, but other times to just to, to pray faithfully, knowing that you may never know 
what that prayer is going to accomplish until we get to the other side. But can you imagine being David on the other side, all of these people that he's prayed for all of these years, and, and let's say that a certain number of them did accept the gift of salvation, and, and you just don't know, right? At the end of the day, to be faithful like that, what a different mindset that is versus I need to pray for me right now, and if God doesn't move, then then I'm going to be upset. Now, and I understand that on some level, but to, but to pray so faithfully that way for so many people, independent of seeing whether results will happen, is really quite a testimony. Mm-hmm. Peter, do you ever think about how, I, I know this is a really big question, but how God is actually listening to you? Because, you know, you have conversations with friends, and as you're listening to them, you might be you know, looking to one side or thinking of something else or throwing something out there to somebody else who's in the room. Hey, oh, and by the way, you know, you're, you're, how well do you listen? You know, and then yeah. in conversations, do we really listen to each other or do we just carry on parallel monologues? Am I listening to you or am I waiting for you to stop talking so I can start talking? <laughs> can I, can I not answer that question? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, abs- I mean, absolutely. Oh gosh. Yeah. You just, you hit that spot on, on in terms of the capacity to listen and how often I'll find myself veering towards a text on the phone or, or looking away or getting distracted by something else. But even if I do try to listen intently, it's exactly what you said. It, it is. So I'm going to listen long enough to catch on to something that then I want to respond to. And it's, it's mostly a pretty narcissistic form of listening, uh, to say the least. But I think the thing that boggles my mind more than anything else about God listening to us, and I, and I believe he does, and the scriptures are very clear about that, is the last I checked, there's somewhere around 7 billion people on this world, uh, if not more. And, and I get it that not everybody is going to be talking to the God of heaven at any given moment. But but when we want to start thinking about the grandeur of God and, and, and the capacities of God and the infinite reality of God and, and the smallness in his sight, and yet he knows the hairs on our head— when I let myself go there a little bit in prayer and, and in thoughtfulness and believe he's listening to me while he's also probably right now simultaneously listening to heaven knows how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people and moving and interacting and acting. Now we're back to that conversation we just had about is our view of God too small, mm-hmm. right? Is it too narrow? And and if, if he's capable of that, and I believe that he is, then then maybe I need to look a little bit more carefully at what his kingdom is actually like related to my own life. Do you have any visual images of Jesus when you pray? Do you ever think of him literally hanging there on the cross, having just died for your sins? Yeah. Do you ever yeah. gaze up and look at him, um, bloodied, beaten, taking his last breaths, and thinking, I put him there? And do you ever, do you have images like that? Yeah, you know, I, I once heard a theologian that I really respect, of imagination, that, that it's possible that imagination is a gift from God and that it can be a holy imagination and a sacred imagination. And, and all, all that means really is that you do allow yourself to have a visual picture. And, and whether or not that picture is you know accurate or if it was born out of a movie that I'd seen of Jesus hanging on the cross, I think that is a very sacred and honoring and humbling reality when, when we do something like that. I don't know if you practice that at all. I don't do it a lot, but I have done it. And, and it really... Um, even in talking about it, Bill, I, I can remember the times that yeah, I begin to be moved for, moved to tears, and 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 it really does remind me of how great the Father's love must be, right? How, what what His lavishing love was, must be. I don't know what Jesus all had to take on in the kingdoms of darkness, and why that sin had to move the way that it did, and why the 
but he did conquer sin and death in those moments. And, uh, and that is the kind of thing that does move me to tears. Mm, that's powerful. All right, we'll take a little break. We're continuing our prayer series. Dr. Peter Kapster and I will be right back. Welcome back. We're with Dr. Peter Kapsner, and we're talking about prayer, which we do on Wednesdays at 5 o'clock. So put that on your calendar and don't miss it. So here's one thing I've learned from today, Peter. A lot of people want David as their mail carrier. Well, I, I just think that... <laughs> You're I mean, not the only right? person. The text lines I, lighten up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, among the very many things we'll take away from today's uh, show and talking to Alex, but that's it. That's what's really going to stand out. I think, you know, David could probably start his own uh, personal mail business that, that involves you know, a, a prayer warrior group of postal carriers. I think that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, chat a little bit about uh, visualization because we t- talked about that right before we went to break and I was uh, right. sharing with Ben during the break about um, a, an, a speaker, an author that I heard uh, once that was talking about, uh, let's take a walk up the path uh, at, at Golgotha where Jesus is, uh, where he was crucified and he's hanging on the cross and as you're walking up, you see that they are taking him down, his dead body. They're removing that body from the cross. And they've now uh, laid his dead body into the arms of his mother, who's there weeping. And you walk up for the first time and see that situation. And Mary would look up at you and say, would you hold him? Mm. And I would think, uh, you know, he he just died for the sin of the world. And I think of that image because I've been to Florence and I've seen the that beautiful Michelangelo sculpture of Mary holding the um, the dead Jesus in her arms and you go that is such a moving picture uh, to see that Jesus just completed the work of the father and it is finished and then he mm. surrendered his spirit and now his mother is holding him and and she looks at you and it's of course this is not in the Bible but it's just an image as I go to worship in prayer that it just has always stuck with me. It's like, would you would you hold him? And I I think, well, that would be my honor, my pleasure. As uncomfortable as it would be to be touching a bloody dead person, you know what I mean? I do, I do. I, you know, we're heading into we're into the Advent season already, right? In terms of coming up towards Christmas, and and as you're talking, Bill, and and just even the the picture you're painting is coming into my head as a result of what you're talking about. I, I think about that song that will certainly be part of this season moving forward. And that's Mary, Did You Know? And, and it talks about, did you know it was coming when, when you were raising God's son in this way? But uh, along with that, it calls to mind, and I'm sure it's available out on YouTube and you could Google it, but it's, it's the song Breath of Heaven. And uh, there's, there's an incredible video to, you know, to watch that goes along with the music Breath of Heaven that really does paint the portrait of Jesus as this child, you know, having fun with his mother, Mary, and, and they're playful with one another and they splash water on each other as he's getting to be this uh, adult uh, moving forward. But then it also kind of snaps back and forth to him walking the streets of Calvary up to Golgotha, as you said, and, and it shows him on the cross. And I can't watch that bill without mm-hmm. being moved to tear. I, I can't, it, it, um, there's something about that, that I think it does, it does to, to, to visualize what that was like, I think, really can be a potent part of our prayer life. Mm-hmm. So 
As the psalmist says in Psalm 54, verse 2, Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. I know that we need to have uh, these these prayers. We need to be specific. We need to ask God specifically because he cares about every detail of our life. And and we can come to him specifically. Um, you're that way with your kids. If they come and ask Dad for something, you kind of say, well, what is it exactly you want, right? Right. <laughs> well, it, you know, and actually when you say that, too, it goes back to something you were referencing earlier about uh, the idea of we may go with, with specificity, but then we also have to be willing to trust the answer. And and I think it's uh, any parent can identify this the situation with their kids, I'm sure, is that if, my kids are often going to come, right? And, and they're going to come at 1030 at night and they're going to want to roll through a bowl of cookies and cream ice cream with 100 grams of sugar, you know, and <laughs> dad, can I have this? I really right. need this idea. And, and, and I would hope that in, in those moments when I say no to that, it it's because it's actually for their good at the end of the day. I'm not saying no because I'm like, eh, you didn't say it quite in the right way. Or I'm not saying no because I'm, I just kind of want to hold out of you because I have the power and you don't. Um, I'm saying no, and, and my no is simply because that's the best thing for their overall well-being. And, and I think to, co- to go to God and be very specific in our prayers, that if we get a no, even on something that we desperately want or some circumstances that we want out of, I, I think the invitation is to somehow trust that the, the, the scope of his perspective, past, present, present, and future, and the potential rippling implications of the yes and the no are going to be for the well-being uh, at the end of the day, even if it's not the immediate well-being in those moments. But but you said something really powerful earlier in, in this segment when you said that God will promise to be with us. God doesn't always promise to give us the answer that we want, but he will with us, be with us. And, and in his presence, I think we can, even though we don't get the answer that we want. And and I'm not saying we're all you know asking for cookies and cream ice cream at 1030 at night. Our prayers are very real and very serious and significant. But I think the point is, is that if we get a no, it's for our well-being, not because God is just holding out on us somehow. Mm-hmm. When we try to understand exactly what it is we're asking uh, God for, how we're praising Him, worshiping Him, and just the self-expression that we we give to Him, I mean, it's important that we learn to speak from our own heart uh, versus uh, praying in another way where we're just rattling off certain expressions that maybe we've heard. I, you know, I'm, I'm not being critical of any of that, but I'm thinking when, I'm, when I get down and I, I speak for myself, from my heart, to God, I feel like that's the most intimate I can become with Him. Mm. Yeah, gosh, right? I find that when I'm praying in public with other people is when it's tricky. You, you kind of end up with some verbal tics that I think oh, yeah. is just because it's, you know, it's a little scary to pray out loud in front of other people. And you might say sort of, you know, well, Father, please, or just please, or Father, please, and kind of say the same thing. And, and I think that's just because we don't, we haven't really been trained well to pray together. And, and it's a very vulnerable thing to pray with other people. But to your point, I don't, I'm guessing that when you're alone describing what you're describing, you're not being repetitive in that way. The, the, the verbal tics kind of go away. You're just burying your soul. And, and you really do enter into the kind of conversation that Alex McFarland was talking about in the first part of this show, where it just is a, there is communication happening between you and God. And, and it can kind of remove some of those tics that we, that we understandably have. And I look at the way the psalmist talks, like in Psalm 38, verses 9 and 10, the psalmist says, All my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. Mm. My strength fails me. 
even the light has gone from my eyes. That's pretty intimate dis- uh, words. Yeah, I just got chills when you read that, right? I, it, and I mean, who are we kidding anyway, right? If, if we're trying to pretend that, that we're not going to say those things to God to somehow protect and maybe he won't, maybe he'll miss it, right? Yeah. If, if we, if we don't, of course he knows these things. And I think what, what a beautiful invitation to just pour it out. What Psalm was that from? Did you, that was did Psalm you get the, 38 verses nine and 10. And then of course, really of course, sometimes we'll go to God with a, a sense of deep discouragement where we'll say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is out of Psalm 22. Why are right. you so far from saving me so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and, and am not silent. Mm. And I think, you know, we're, there's a lot of attitude. We, sometimes you're hopeful, sometimes you feel disappointment, but I think uh, it, the right thing to do is to take all those emotions right to God. Yeah, I think so too. I, and just that idea of forsakenness, right? I, the first time that word is used in the Old Testament is in Genesis 2 about, you know, forsake your father and mother uh, wife. And that word forsaken simply means to to loosen the ties between, where the ties get loosened. And and I know in the course of my life that there is a real sense at times where those ties between me and God have gotten loosened, and you do begin to cry out because there's it's scary to do a world uh, life in a world untethered from God. It it is it's a, a terrifying reality. So He invites us with all of those prayers. Why why do the ties feel loose between us? Why is there a sense of forsakenness with us? All of that is in Psalms. What a great model for our prayer. Yeah. Well, Peter, that's all the time we have for today. I had a nice listener that said, uh, I want to have Alex come back for more. He was great. He was great. Yeah, so are you. Thank you so much for being with me today. That wraps up our show for the whole day. Have a great night, everyone. God bless, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.